Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode of our Truth Tidbits as we continue reading through the scriptures this year. And we are in the book of Revelation, and we are going to be in chapter 5 again today. So I pray blessings upon you as we go into this, and may you be blessed by it. And may you be blessed as you read the Word of God yourself also. I'm delighted to have you. Thank you for tuning in. I want to read Revelation chapter 5, verses 1 through 10, and then we're going to pick up from where we left off yesterday and look a little bit further into this awesome ceremony or worship service that is happening before our eyes in in this chapter. Revelation chapter 5, verse 1. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back, sealed with seven seals. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? And no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, And in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the lamb each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Praise be to God. We covered verses 1 through 7 in the last several episodes that Jesus is the only one that has been found worthy to take this scroll, to open it, and to loose its seals, thereby reading and executing it. He's the only one that can do that. When he gets it, we have this great worship service where the four living creatures and the 24 elders fall down in worship. They fall down at Jesus' feet. They fall down at his presence. Oh, hallelujah. I can only imagine when we get there, we will be doing the same, I'm sure. 
the one who has saved us, the one who is worthy, the only one who is worthy of our worship. And so we see the four living creatures and the 24 elders falling down in worship. And notice that each of the 24 elders, we are told, have harps and golden bowls of incense. And we're def it's defining for us what those bowls of incense are. They are the prayers of the saints. So I want to look at a few things about the, about these elements that John now tells us about so that we understand a little more of the depth of what this worship is all about. First of all, let's consider the harps. I want to read a few Psalms to you. There are several that speak about praising the Lord and they speak about praising the Lord with the harp. Several Psalms do. I'm just going to pick a few. I'd like to read to you Psalm chapter 33, verse 2, and it says this, Praise the Lord with the harp. Make melody to him with an instrument of ten strings. Psalm 98, verse 5, says this, Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of a psalm. And Psalm 147, verse 7 says this, Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Sing praises on the harp to our God. So we see several other passages we could read also in the Psalms. And they are telling us that the harp was one of the musical instruments on which praises were played and sung to God in heaven. So we see this as part of this worship service. Then we see that they have golden bowls of incense. These are vials or deep, deep, actually shallow saucers. They're, they're like a, a small cup, shallow cup. And these are defined for us. We're told what they are. We don't have to worry. They are the prayers of the saints. This reminds us and takes us back to the incense from the tabernacle. The incense burning service of the tabernacle and of the temple was the most beloved of the entire daily temple service by God. He loved the incense burning service. It was available for priests on a newcomer's only basis. In other words, only this was a once-in-a-lifetime service for the priest in the temple services. And it was the hour of prayer. Luke tells us in Acts about Peter and John going to the temple in the hour of prayer. This was the incense-burning service. I want to talk a little bit about this incense, and I'm going to mention these scriptures and encourage you to read them if you're interested in learning a little bit more. But I want to give you the scripture references. In Exodus chapter 30, verses 1 through 10, we are given instructions about the incense, about the altar of incense, and the service of the incense burning it was the responsibility of the high priest 
and the priests when they would trim the lamps. During that part of the daily service, then they would also burn the incense. We see Jesus in chapter 1, our great high priest in chapter 1 of Revelation, trimming the lamps, and he is the one that also receives the incense. It's a sweet aroma to our Lord. The incense was just that. It was specifically designed as a sweet aroma to our God. Think about that in the sense that these were the prayers of the saints. Praying to our Lord is a sweet aroma to him. His ears are open to the cries of the righteous. He loves it when we pray to him. As a matter of fact, Jesus continues that intercession. We are told in Hebrews 7, 25, that Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. So as he's trimming the lamps, he also makes intercession on behalf of his bride, on behalf of the people of the living God. In Leviticus chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, we read about an account where two of the sons of Aaron were impetuous and they offered strange fire before the Lord, which God had commanded in Exodus chapter 30 and so forth, that they could not do. God had specifically said, do not offer strange fire to me, strange incense, they had just jumped on the gun and went in and took it upon themselves. And so God showed Israel, taught them a very serious lesson that you cannot take his presence lightly. He said in that passage that those that come near me, and when we draw near in prayer, we draw near to him. We must recognize his holiness. We must honor him and regard him as holy. Then in Leviticus chapter 16, it's included in the instructions for the Day of Atonement. There was a special incense burning also that occurred as part of the Day of Atonement services. I want to read to you the last two that I'd like to bring out. First, I want us to read Psalm chapter 141 and verses 1 and 2. It says this, in Psalm 141, verse 1 and 2, Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. You may have read that verse many times, and maybe it hasn't struck you, but I hope that today you will see it as sweet as it is. David is praying and crying out to the Lord for him to answer his prayer. And he asks the Lord, he says, Lord, let my prayer be set before you as sweet of an aroma to you as the beautiful incense that would burn in the temple and in the tabernacle before you. Lord, receive my prayer the way that you did with the sweet incense in the tabernacle of Moses. Let my prayer be pleasing to you and sweet before you, just like the incense was in the tabernacle. How precious is that? 
And I want to show you one example of when that actually did happen in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 10, we have this man that appears on the scene who is hungry for the Lord, who is hungry for God, who is seeking after God, who wants to know God. And Acts chapter 10, verse 1 says this, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. So we see in this example, this man Cornelius praying and his, his prayers had become a sweet incense before the Lord. They were remembered. It's as if they were collected and apparently are, according to this chapter in Revelation and another place in Revelation that we will read later. They're collected as in a bowl until they're filled up and they come before the Lord like a memorial and he remembers them and he is pleased to send forth the answer, the perfect answer in its perfect timing. Praise be to God. May our prayer be set before the Lord like that sweet incense. How precious is that? So the 24 elders now have these harps and these golden bowls of incense. And then they fall down before the Lord and they begin to sing a new song. I call this Psalm 151, the new song that's reserved for that day. It's one of three new songs we will read about in Revelation two of which we have the lyrics to. We've been given the lyrics to these songs. It's interesting because in the temple service, the Levites had a song for the day. Every day of the week, special days, special feasts, etc., they have special songs or psalms that they will sing. And at this time, it is a new day. It's a new day in Revelation 4 and 5. There's been a transition. It's a new day. And so there's a new psalm that is spoken. There's a new song that is sung. And we are given the lyrics to it right here. I just like to refer to it as Psalm 151. Hallelujah. It's a declaration and an acknowledgement of the worth and worthiness of Jesus, the Lamb, to receive the glory and the praise and the worship. He is the only one worthy to take the scroll, to loose the seals, 
to open it and to execute it. And they sing in this song, in the lyrics of this song, the basis for his worthiness is because he is the one who was slain. He is that lamb who was slain. He shed his blood and he bought redemption for the whole world, all who will receive him, all who will believe that his blood has paid the ransom and the cost of the wages of sin on their behalf and will save them and rescue them by simple faith in him and in his blood. Jesus bought that. He redeemed us. The Redeemer in the Old Testament was called the Goel. And I won't get into a whole lot about that, but I have covered it in one of my Passion series, my Passion Week special messages that I've done, which are in the archives. You can look it up, and it's Goel, the Redeemer. And the story of Ruth and Boaz is really a beautiful picture of that and shows us the kinsman redeemer, the redeemer who would buy us back. And what the Goel would do is they would buy back someone's property. They had the right to do it. They were willing to do it, and they had the means to do it. They had to have all three. And the Goel then could buy them back and redeem them. That's exactly what Jesus has done for us. He is our Redeemer. He has bought us back from the slave market of sin. Ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, mankind has needed a Redeemer. We have been under the bondage of sin. We have been dead in trespasses and sins and slaves to sin and its lusts. The New Testament tells us that in many places in the epistles. And Jesus knew that. And so he came, gave his life, laid down his life and his life's blood shed for us because without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. The cost of our redemption was very high. And yet Jesus has paid that cost and redeemed us. We were redeemed by his blood. I want to look at a few scriptures here as we begin to draw to a close. I want to start out by reading to you Psalm chapter 49, verses 7 and 8. And the psalmist says this, None of them can by any means redeem his brother. All of those who might be rich and wealthy, he's saying, you don't have you you don't even come close to having enough to redeem another person. None of these can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls is costly. And it shall cease forever that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. That's speaking of Jesus being raised from the dead. But the redemption of mankind, men and women, our souls, the redemption of our lives, the salvation of our souls is very costly. As a matter of fact, Peter 
tells us just how costly and just how precious it is. I want to read 1 Peter chapter 1, and I want to read verses 18 through 21. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. We were redeemed by the only thing that could redeem mankind. There's not enough money in all of the coffers of the world that could possibly redeem one person. And yet Jesus' blood, the precious blood of Jesus, has redeemed us all. And the 24 elders, representing the entirety of the church, is crying out that He, He, redeemed us with his blood. It was costly, it was precious, and it was enough to pay the ransom that Psalm 49 said had to be paid. It was enough to pay the wages of sin. And we sing in this what's called the Song of the Redeemed, the Song of the Redeemed, or the New Psalm, Psalm 151, you might call it. That's what I like to call it. That he has redeemed us from or out of, originating from every tribe, every clan, every kindred and tribe, every tongue. In other words, every language, whatever language you may speak, every people, every people group, and every nation, every ethnos every ethnicity, every race. God redeems all people everywhere, in any place on the face of the earth, in any tribe, in any language, in any ethnic group, whoever you may be, Jesus came to redeem you. He shed his blood for every one of us. And when we get to this worship service on that day, oh, hallelujah, it will be loud. It will be celebratory. It will be praising him. It will be glorifying him for his worthiness because he has shed his blood to redeem all of us. And we will be rejoicing together. Then he goes on in this psalm, in this new song. And he says that God has made us. He has crafted us and made us king priests, a kingdom of priests, king priests after the order of Melchizedek, our great high priest. And we are destined to reign with Jesus on the earth during his millennial kingdom, during his messianic kingdom. This is the song of the redeemed. Only the redeemed people 
can sing this song. This is why we see the 24 elders singing this song. Because Jesus has redeemed us. This is the entire church on that day singing the song of the redeemed to him. I believe this is one more element of the proof of the pre-tribulation rapture from these two chapters. And I want to look at that again later on. But we are singing this brand new song, the beautiful song of the redeemed, worshiping the only one worthy to receive our worship, our Goel, our Redeemer, the one who shed his blood to pay for your sin and mine. I pray that you know him personally as your Lord and Savior. If you don't, please come to him right now. Today is the day of salvation. He shed his blood for you. He paid the cost so that the wages of sin could be completely discharged and that debt of your sin completely paid in full. He did that for you, beloved friend. Won't you trust him today? Won't you put your faith in him today? Won't you answer his call and come to know him? Repent of your sins. Ask him to forgive you and believe in him and you will be saved. Confess him as your Lord and Savior and receive brand new life that he will give you. I hope you do that if you don't know him yet. And if you do know him, I pray that you will just love him even more because of what he has done for us to redeem us from sin and to save us and give us an eternal home with him. Praise be to God. I pray that this is a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of our Truth Tidbits. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.